You're listening to episode 121 of the Mad Chatters podcast, January 18th, 2017. Most everyone's mad here. <laughs> Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of the Mad Chatters Podcast, your very important date with the happenings at Walt Disney World and around the Disney Universe. I'm Derek, and joining me today are my fellow chatters, Matthew. Howdy. And Jeremy. I'm obnoxious. Hmm. So guys, we have a lot to talk about this week because quite a bit has hit the news in regards to the Disney parks on both coasts. Uh, I think the thing that probably was talked about the most over the weekend was the brand new Festival of the Arts, which debuted Friday, January 13th at Epcot. And I have to say, I heard almost exclusively positive things about this festival. Did you guys catch any of this stuff over the weekend? I saw some pictures of some of the food. That's about all I've, I've, I've seen. (laughs) <laughs> Did they look Instagram worthy? Because that's what Disney promised. Well, they looked like what I would expect from a, a, a snooty arts festival. Yeah. <laughs> okay. See, I was totally into it. I think all the food and the festivities looked amazing. In fact, I think I sent you a text at one point and was like, why are we not in Epcot right now? Because it all looks so fun to me. I think it looks great. I will be there in two weeks and I hope Matt will be there as well. To experience some of these things. Uh, But yeah, I was definitely able to follow along and kind of get the gist of what was happening. Um, These were some of the things that stuck out to me. First of all, this paint-by-numbers mural that took up a whole wall in Future World. Did you guys see this? I did. I I haven't seen the finished product, though, but I saw the people working on it. Yeah, I think it changes every day. Because WDW Today tweeted something like, starting over, and there was a picture of a postcard that was going to be like what the finished product was. And then behind them was a person in pencil drawing out the sketch. And what happens, according to Florida Today, is there's a numbered mural to be that hangs on a wall. Each guest gets a foam brush and a plastic container of paint with names like Minnie's Gloves. What you do is you find numbered squares on the wall that coincide with the number on your paint container, and then you just contribute to the finished product, basically. So there's a picture of 10 or so people side by side painting in different parts of this mural. I think that's a really cool idea. It is cool. I I, I like it. It sounds like borderline dangerous if you start giving people random things of paint. It just sounds messy to me. But, uh, you know, in a controlled environment, I'm sure it's nice. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. But, yeah, you're right. Because if I'm standing there, if I'm standing there painting my little squares and uh, little Timmy next to me has been given the paintbrush and all of a sudden little Timmy decides to start painting my shorts next to me, (laughs) I'm really going to kill somebody. (laughs) You're going to dump the paint bucket on little Timmy's head. Yeah, I know. Like I used to um, help out at a preschool, and whenever we would do arts and craftsy kind of things with paint or anything messy, like literally, I'd be like, "Don't touch me! 
Don't touch me! Like, every time you know, <laughs> comes close, don't touch me! <laughs> Stay away. See, at first I thought you meant people are going to be painting inappropriate things or, like, just messing it up on purpose. I didn't even think about making a mess. Oh, no, yeah, I was thinking about the mess factor. I, I think most people would probably control themselves and not do anything. I think about most people, some people not um, following directions and just not understanding and painting what they want. <laughs> That's I mean, painting the shapes, but not following the numbers. Just, hey, I'll, this, I'll paint this part, too. Sure. Fortunately, it seems like such a big mural that small mistakes won't really impact the final picture. Um, but anyway, besides that, um, I was also kind of intrigued by this figment scavenger hunt. Now, they do scavenger hunts at different times of the year. Like, I'm thinking the Easter egg mm-hmm. hunt and so on. Um, this one costs $7, but you're guaranteed at the end... If you find all the pictures, if you match up all the figment pictures to what country they're in, you get a nice little magnet that looks like the framed portraits of figment that, Matt, you say used to be in the attraction, Journey to Imagination. Yeah, in the old school, it's little, you know, little parodies on, like, the Mona Lisa and the Scream and um, things like that, but it's figment. Yeah. They were, they were in... Either the por- a portion of the old Journey to Imagination or the finale. I can't remember which one, but it was there, yeah. Yeah, so you participate in the uh, scavenger hunt, and then you get a nice little prize at the end. Um, okay, one of my favorite things are these photo ops where they have famous paintings set up, and it's set up in, like, a three-dimensional way so that you can actually stand in between layers, and it looks like you're part of it. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of all the 60th ones that Jeremy and I did, where you could be part of the picture. I think those are so funny. Maybe kind of corny, but... Like like what famous paintings? Uh, I mean, I don't know the names of any of these. I think it's maybe George Washington, who's on the boat and, like, pointing up as if they're... <laughs> Is that George Washington? Oh, the Delaware? Crossing yeah, the Delaware? Crossing yes, the Delaware. that's uh, it. I just, the way you said it, the way you said it. He's on the boat. (laughs) Okay, I'm an idiot when it comes to history. But uh, yeah, you can be the person sitting in the boat. Oh, okay. But then the other person still looks like a painted being who's standing in the bow. I mean, that's pretty cool. I think it's neat. I mean, the fact that they just, they added all these things. They, like, they weren't afraid to say no to, or to say yes to every, every idea that came across the table. They're like, how about a paint by numbers? Yes. How about some photo ops? <laughs> yes. How about a figment topiary? Absolutely. We're doing that. This doesn't make you nervous as in, uh, we could make anything feel like it's special nowadays. Uh, maybe. It is kind of funny that everyone who complained about festival oversaturation is now like heaping their praise on this festival and it's like okay you can't have it both ways you know uh yeah Yeah, that's why i'm trying to i'm trying to remain steadfast no i hold the line i'm i'm gonna play the devil's advocate here and i'm gonna say that it's not that it's oversaturation of festivals it's just oversaturation of a festival meaning food and wine is fine we just don't want food and wine six months out of the year. I'll take ten smaller festivals over one or two long festivals. Yeah. I I will agree with that. And this one is only six weeks, and it's only during the weekend. So in the grand scheme of things, it is not a lot of time. 
Yeah, plus, I, uh, as Matt called it snooty or whatever, I like the snootiness. I like well, the listen, that come I like this. I like snooty things. I'm not saying it's not... I want to enjoy it. The little marble. I found that when food looks really fancy, it doesn't necessarily taste as good as it looks. And when I see that, the marble... Uh, oh, what is it? It's kind of the cube, uh, cubiform, like, cake. Cubist. You know, the little pound cake with the chocolate. Yeah, like Mary Blair style. Yeah, yeah, with the ganache in the middle and things like that. Um, that looks really pretty. Uh, it would taste like pound cake with like chocolate icing, and so <laughs> those things don't that doesn't that don't impress me much, as Nine <laughs> Twain would say. Oh, you're so pretentious with the quote. No, yeah. <laughs> oh. uh, anyways, um, I love. Did you see the one seminar that was like make your own tea blend? Oh my no, gosh! Oh, totally now that sounds there. good. Yes, it was so amazing. I want to. I want to do it. See, that's funny because those are the seminars that, to me, don't make sense at all to be part of this. But I mean, hey, if people enjoy it, that's it's fine. an art. It's an the well, art of tea making. <laughs> no, that is not nothing. Listen, is art. <laughs> I have a book. In fact, let me. I, I was going to the art it out of right tea. Now. No, I don't know what it's called. Where is that? Anyways, it's all about how tea culture and the making and blending of teas and if you don't believe that's an art i it's like um even like these micro breweries and those kind of things where people are making their own craft beer and stuff there's a there's an art to that if, well this is if, when if chocolate ganache is an art then beverage making is an it, art we have well. to distinguish if we're talking about arts are we talking about the arts and I think they need to make that known. Because you're right, those are arts. But they're not part of the arts. They're, they're craft art kind of things. And then you even get craft, you think Michael's. I mean like craft beer and, and craft food items and things. I mean, floral arranging is a little bit Michael's. Yeah. That's one of the workshops. Well, I mean, as long as it's real flowers, I mean, that is an art. Now, if it's like fake flowers that you buy at Michael's and you're rearranging them on like the styrofoam green cone, okay, that's a little much. Yeah. But let's not denigrate people's talents. I'm not. And listen, all of these workshops are free. I think that's awesome. That is I would denigrate anybody's talent, but I could say that climbing a telephone pole and repairing wires is 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 an art, but I wouldn't have a seminar at this thing on it. No, I would disagree. That's a skill. There's a difference between an art and a skill. Uh, an art is creating something. A skill is is. I don't know if your average something. lineman would agree with that. Well, the the average lineman is not creating something per se. He's he's, he's forming a he's skill. Creating electricity. Stop. <laughs> now you're just being ridiculous. I'm just arguing for the sake of arguing. I haven't even been to this thing yet. Okay, well, let's get back to the food for a second. Because you said sometimes the prettiest food is not very good tasting. But there was one that people are kind of raving about, and it screams your name, in my opinion. It's a trio of savory donuts. And they're like little donut sandwiches. So they're almost more like bagels, I guess. One has whipped herb, cream, cheese, and sea salt. The other one has chicken mousse with fresh herbs and everything bagel seasoning. I don't know about that one. But the final is spicy tuna with sriracha mayonnaise and sesame seeds. That does sound good. I think so, too. 
What about donuts? Screams my name, Derek. Tell me. It was the spicy tuna and sriracha mayonnaise, to oh, be okay. honest. Because yeah. <laughs> what was the thing at the Hawaiian booth for food and wine that you like? Tuna poke? Hey, tuna poke. Yeah. So there you go. We'll be there in a couple weeks to give our own report. So in other news, when Disney gives, they also take away. And the thing they're taking away this time are the cabanas, which they have officially said are leaving February 17th from Tomorrowland. Have we gone ahead and marked this down for our in memoriam at the end of the year? Because yeah. we're going to want to remember this one, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Making a note now. Did we determine if it was this a success or not? I mean, about a week ago, they dropped from 649 to 500. So I'm thinking they didn't quite do what Disney hoped they would do. But even, even, even at $500 a pop, if they sold one of them a day, they made a profit. Because how much does it really cost? (laughs) $500 is a bargain. (laughs) Yeah. They were probably testing this whole thing. I got to thinking, they're not going to leave tents up forever. If people actually bought these things and did that, they'd probably end up building like a little row of like actual little shelters and calling them and and doing the same kind of thing with it. Yeah, they might have other plans. Who knows? But these tents, as we know them now, or cabanas, are leaving in a month. So at least we can kind of hesitantly, temporarily be glad for that. And if you're looking for a nice cabana for your backyard, you probably can purchase them at like Theme Park Connection for a few hundred Mm -hmm. bucks. Yep. So over in the Hollywood studios, I've got two things we want to talk about that are Star Wars related. Okay. The first one is Star Wars Galactic Nights. It's called Nights. So far, they've scheduled one night, April 14th. From 7 to midnight for $129. It's a hard ticket event. Obviously, the park closes unless you have a ticket to this event. And it's going to include... You can dress up in Star Wars costumes. You can meet Star Wars characters, some of which are not usually in the park. There's going to be a Seize the Saga scavenger hunt. There will be live talk shows, uh, which will feature appearances from cast members from the film. Uh, obviously there's going to be a DJ dance party and all of your favorite attractions will be open. Except I did notice that rock and roller coaster is not listed, but it seems like everything else at Hollywood studios. Yeah, that's strange, but everything else will be open to ride. Okay. Let me get this straight. What we're doing now is half the park is closed. So we're going to hard ticket star Wars weekends, which used to be, a part of the normal ticket price when everything in the park was open. But now we're going to shrink all that down, charge you $130 for only half the uh, space that used to be available, but all pretty much the same concept of this, the celebrities, the special dance party, the character interaction. Yeah, well, blah, this blah, blah. was this is within the context of what they call a Star Wars celebration now, which is what Star Wars Weekend kind of just became... I know, but my point is, and this is something we've talked about, you particularly, Matt, how they're now charging people extra for what used to be included in the price of the ticket. Star Wars Weekends was a normal thing. You didn't have to pay extra for the general mission of it. There were a few yeah. extra things in there, but this is ridiculous. How are you yeah. going to charge people $130 for five hours? $130. When you can do 
uh, the Halloween party and the Christmas party, which, mark my words, watch them go up to 130 to 140 $50 this year. But you can do those for, what, 70 to 90 bucks, depending on the time. And those have special fireworks and parade. This mentions nothing like that. Magic and, Kingdom, there's lots to do. And there's special parades, special fireworks, all the stuff wanna, you get to do. Who are these celebrities going to be there? I mean... Is it, are we talking Harrison Ford? Are we talking... Uh, yeah, right. You said from the film. Was it specifically from the film? Or, did, or is this going to be like voice actors from like Rebels or whatever? Well, that's what I'm thinking because most of the time it's these uh, Ashley, you know, whatever her name is, that is at every Star Wars weekend that apparently voiced one character in Star Wars Rebels that, you know, whatever. That's her claim to fame. That's not, that's not $130 worth. No, I agree. They haven't listed any names yet, but it did say feature film. Like, it used that phrase. But still, I mean, that could be one of the guys who dresses as an Ewok in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, like Stormtrooper 1. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So. No, I, when you told us about this, I haven't even heard about it. So I went and looked it up, and I think it's um, ridiculous as well. And it's this following in just the train of thought, train of ideas where uh, they're charging people for things not that even they used to be able to do but they can still do Mm -hmm. i mean you can you can wear appropriate costumes to the park any day i can ride tower of terror and star tours and jedi training academy and they have all this stuff during the day already now they're adding a few things but it's not 130 dollars worth which is more than the price of a day's admission right oh yeah for sure but that DJ dance party, I mean, that's like $80 worth right there. Come on. Okay. This stuff so, blows my mind. Which celebrities have to show up in order for it to be worth the price of admission to you? I mean, it would have to be Mark Hamill. Right. If Mark Hamill or Harrison Ford showed up, that would be probably worth the cost. Carrie Fisher. <laughs> Too soon, Matt. Too soon. I would pay money. <laughs> um, you know who else I would think would would help add to that is uh frank oz i would love to meet frank Oz. yes yeah, somebody like that speaking of star wars speaking of hollywood studios and speaking of things that they're charging for that they should not be charging for i want to talk about this star wars guided tour which started january 2nd and happens on mondays and Saturdays. Okay, I'm just going to read straight from the Walt Disney World website. Yes, please do. That just adds to the ridiculousness. And feel free to insert comments as I read this. This brand new seven-hour tour, which, let's face it, I could do the whole park in three hours, but anyway. Yes. <laughs> and this is Star Wars specific. Seven-hour tour will be led by a Star Wars all-in-the-know guide and will include the following. Reserved viewing for Star Wars A Galaxy Far, Far Away. You guys, that is that dumb stage show that happens five times a day. Why do you need reserved viewing for that? It also includes a journey on Star Tours. Why, why do you need to pay money for that? Yeah, exactly. Isn't the point of Star Tours is it's a journey <laughs> like you need a journey for the journey like i don't understand i think they're just saying you get to ride that in your tour it says yeah one you one ride you get to you get to ride star tours oh yeah you also get an opportunity to participate in jedi training 
if you're a guest aged 4 through 12. You okay, can do that so already. Normal, normal, yep. Okay. Yep. yep. A guided exploration and character greetings at Star Wars Launch Bay. See, I've already met both of the characters. I'd like to know what they're going to be doing for you that you cannot do for yourself. You get ushered to the front, maybe. I mean, that's a benefit. Well, I mean, what are they going to be doing? Except in this room is there's that thing, and you can read about it. Go over there and read about it. I mean, that's all it sounds like to me. Um, you do get dinner at a quick service restaurant featuring Star Wars themed items, which, let's face it, is Backlot Express, exactly. which I've already eaten at. I had the Royal Guard Burger. There's also the Star Wars A Galactic Spectacular Dessert Party. Okay. That's something that you can't get. Although I think you can book that on its own. But now it's part of this tour. Um, Fireworks viewing, which I believe is part of the dessert party. And then it says simply, and more. (laughs) The tour costs $129 per person. Again, with that. That stuff does not fill seven hours. No, what and in the this world? is this is listen. This is when you get into the you know, we all we all will grant that Disney is a business. We all will grant that they need to make money. We want them to make money so that they build nice things and they and they keep doing well as a company. But there comes a point when being a company means you're treating people like they're stupid. Now here's the downside of it people are stupid and people will buy this stuff and people will do this that's the problem so listen if you're listening out there you're a star wars fan you think these sound like good these sound like a good idea take it just just take this advice it is not a good idea it is not worth it do not pay and do not go because if you pay and if you go they will keep doing these things yeah they know that they know that innocent, ignorant people will sign up and do this and pay one hundred and thirty dollars more than the cost of a day's admission for these two events. That's your nail in the head on the the your nail in the. Yes, put your camera <laughs> in the nail in the head. Put the nail. Yeah, in the head that's on what I'm trying to say. You're putting the nail with the head and the hammer, and you got it yes. because this is preying on ignorant, stupid tourists. Because I am uh, Sally uh, Smith from Nebraska, and I have my 10-year-old son, Jojo, and he loves Star Wars. Odds are this is a real scenario. You know that, right? (laughs) Probably. And so, oh, they have a special Star Wars package, and little Jojo's going to love that. So we're going to go ahead and book that. And without doing any research, without doing any sort of checking into this whole thing you just paid 130 dollars per person for what you get on a normal day in hollywood studios mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and going back to the galactic nights thing it kind of worries me that they've only scheduled one night for this because remember that villain event that happened three four years ago it happened one night friday the 13th they sold way too many tickets and it was a hot mess people waited hours for food people waited four hours to meet constantine the muppet it was just a disaster. And I'm afraid that's what's going to happen with this Star Wars thing. Yeah. Um, the last piece of news that was pretty big online this week was the Disney Max Pass. 
which applies to Disneyland only, but it's basically their version of FastPass Plus. Why they couldn't just call it FastPass Plus, I could not tell you. It is the Max Pass. The only difference is, for the very first time, Disney is charging for Fast Passes. It is $10 per day, and it includes not only digital access to Fast Pass, which means you can book your Fast Passes using the mobile app, but it also includes unlimited photo pass downloads, which I will say, if you don't have the annual pass that already gives you unlimited downloads, that's a pretty good bargain to pay $10 and then have all those photos. But if you already have that annual pass, then you're solely paying $10 to book fast passes, which you've always been able to do for free. Well, this doesn't surprise me because Universal has been charging for their FastPass line for a while. In fact, what do they call that again? Um, Express Pass, I think. Express Pass. Yeah, but yeah, you pay someone... one flat fee for everything. You pay one, pay one flat fee for this Express Pass, which gets you Fast Passes to the attractions that have it all day long. No, that is not what this is. It, basically, you're paying $10 for the convenience of using the app because they still have hard ticket fast passes or legacy fast passes that you can still get. So like if you don't pay the $10, you can still walk up to Space Mountain and get a fast pass. But if you pay $10, you can do it using your phone. The photo ad addition to this package is a ploy to get people to pay for what they should be just doing. They they should just be rolling out this digital fast pass thing. I think that's a great idea. That's what I want fast passes to be here. You can it's the old system. You don't reserve. You don't book ahead of time. But you can do it all on your phone. I mean, why wouldn't that just be something you do anyway? That is a great question. Except that people will pay for it. So why and not? And that's the thing. And this is a slippery slope. Because if they say, hey, look, we had 2,000 guests today pay $10 for that. They're just, why not just charge everyone for fast passes all the time? <sighs> but that's what makes Disney so great is the idea of free fast passes. Like, that's one of the things that sets them apart. Hopefully this upcharge bubble is about to burst. And when it bursts, I hope it bursts bad. But will it? I don't think so. Bursting bad, the Disney climax. Here's the good thing. This means on a a larger scale, things like this happening and people actually doing them shows you that, um, I mean, I'm no economist. This seems to indicate that the economy is doing better. But it's not quite to the point where Disney's cashing in on the economy doing better. So they're trying really hard to nickel and dime people. Here's the thing, Disney. I'm talking to you. If you keep doing this, even as someone who loves Walt Disney World, I will cancel my annual pass. Ooh. I will. I'll, I'll cancel my annual pass and I will go maybe two times a year. I live here. I can stay outside for cheap. I know all your little tricks. I'll just buy some discount tickets online to my little loopholes, and and you won't get my money like that. Because here's the thing I noticed this past weekend. Went to Hollywood Studios Friday night. We, we went and watched Fantasmic uh, in the evening. We were uh, hurtled into the standby entrance because, you know, there's Fast Pass for Fantasmic now. So people booked that. Between the dining package and the fast pass seating, those they had two whole sections. I mean, Mickey 
the Mickey section and another section, I think Jafar, were roped off completely for dining package and fast passes. So this is so the average standby guest. I'm, I'm just let me just re- reminisce on the good old days. Phantasmic used to you get there an hour early. You might stand in line, but they open up the gates and you can go sit anywhere. Now it's that's roped off. That's roped off. If you got standby, you go this way. If you're doing this, you go that way, and you are in a line and pe- they sit you. They seat you where they want you. So you go up to a person and they escort you down. You cannot just go anywhere you want. It's you're going down here. I didn't want to sit as close as we were. I didn't want to sit in the section we were, but it's where they put us. Now we could have gotten up and moved, I guess, but at that point, people are on either side of you. We have the child and everything else, and I was just like, "This is out of hand." Uh, before we get positive tonight, can this be negative about one more thing? <laughs> of course, Fan- <laughs> fantastic. They must have been running like B team, like training on Friday night. I was just like floored. No, nobody else would understand. And and Jessica was like, well, I didn't see any of that. But there were just several things. First of all, at the very beginning, you know, when the they're playing that remix dance music the whole time beforehand. Yeah, that's my favorite part of Fantasmic. <gasps> okay. Well, <laughs> it went on into the show for a hot second. Oh, you know, no. it was really weird. The lights go down. The lady started talking, like whatever whatever she says about Mickey's dreams and all that stuff. Welcome to Fantasmic. Yeah. The stupid remix of Yo-Ho, Yo-Ho, which I might add was remixed to Whoa, 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 A Pirate's Life for Me. And then they said, Stand up, me hearties, Yo-Ho. I was like, shut this down. But <laughs> it, listen, she was almost done with her spiel. Like the little... The little high-pitched sound that starts Phantasmic off had already started before they got, oh, cut the music down. So that was going on. It was dark. That was still going on. Mickey was in the wrong place several times. Like, he came running out at the very beginning. I've never seen that before. Maybe I just missed it. But he came running out like he was not going to get to his queue on time. Um, wow. Well, that's dangerous at Fantasmic because he's in the wrong spot. But you get those- blown up. That's right. <laughs> you'll, get, you'll get some logs hurled on you or something. The yeah. um, the little hag lady, the queen, when she turns into the 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 old hag woman, um, she didn't quite get transformed in time. So when the lights came back up and she was supposed to be the the hag, she still had her glittery dress on. She didn't quite get the white collar which I guess turns into the hood, it didn't quite get there. So the big white hood was sitting on top of her head like one of those one of those really flamboyant nun hats, you know? <laughs> and the old lady had like the gray hair. Yeah, the gray hair was like hanging in her face. Like yeah, that's all you saw is this big white like halo and then like gray hair and the sequiny shiny thing. I was like, whoa, she didn't she didn't get changed in time. The <laughs> The lake did not catch on fire when the dragon blew the 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 little fireball down there. Maleficent wasn't in her spot. Like when Mickey comes out and Maleficent's supposed to be there, you know, now you'll deal with me and all the powers of mine. There was no person there. What? This does sound like training day at Phantasmic or something. It was odd. The logs didn't go like they were supposed to, so they were just kind of sitting out there the whole time after the Pocahontas thing. Um, I mean, it was just one thing after the other. I was like, what is going on tonight? 
hmm. get it together. I almost went up to the sound booth, like knocking on the window. What, what are y'all <laughs> doing in there? <laughs> it's like in church when the sound goes out and everybody turns their everybody, head and well, looks yeah. back. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you just turn around and look back. <laughs> yeah. If I may, real quick, back to the Max Pass. Let's say, hypothetically, this is a very real hypothetical situation, I feel like. They tell you, Matt, an annual pass holder, that starting in February, you can pay $10 to... Well, this doesn't really work because we already have access on our phones. Um, But let's say that you can pay $10 to book six fast passes at a time. $10. It's not a whole lot. It's not unreasonable. Would you do that? $10 for a day? Per day, yeah. Part of me wants to say, you're booking a vacation. You sure throw another $60 on there for more fast passes. And if they did it this way, let's not, okay, maybe not six. But if it was just the system that I keep arguing for, like no reservations, no pre-booking, but it's old school fast pass, but it's on your phone. Mm-hmm. You go on there and you make one without having to go there. That'd be terrific. I don't know if I'd pay ten dollars for it. People don't like feeling nickeled and dimed to death, and I've said this before on the show, and I still think it's true. It's just ridiculous. If Disney wants to do this, just up the charges of the ticket overall. Don't do these small little fees. Lord, they've it's done just... that already. Well, that's See, true. But that's but... the thing. What does what does changing to a digital FastPass system cost them? Absolutely nothing. So I don't see why they're now charging. And honestly, if I were standing there at Indiana Jones, it was 9 in the morning, and I was playing on my phone, and I was like, you know, if I just paid $10 right now, I could go ahead and get a fast pass for Space Mountain. Honestly, I'd probably do it. But that doesn't make it any more fair. Like, that doesn't make me happier that they're charging for something that has always been free. It's the same thing with parking. There's absolutely no reason to charge however much they charge for parking. Because... You have the parking lot already. It's not like you have to pay for it. Mm-hmm. It's just money in their pocket. That's all it is. Yeah. But hey, now that all the news is out of the way, that means it's time for armchair imagineering. Hmm. Hmm. Wait a minute. I love that idea. So earlier we talked about festival of the arts, and we said, you know, they said yes to everything. They're doing a ton of stuff, but we think they could do more so for this week's round of armchair imagineering i want to hear your ideas for something you'd like to see them add in case they do this next year the second annual festival of the arts matt you want to go first yeah you know one thing they might do this right now because i know there's some animation seminars and symposiums and things going on during this correct i think uh one thing that i used to like when i was well younger going to the park was that you could go to um like the art of disney there were a couple stores at the studios and you could buy this little kit that was um sort of like a little like a little one of those little photo envelopes you know what i'm talking about like a little like a little frame imagine a little landscape uh piece of paper that's that's foldable in half you know and the, the front half is a frame and the back part is, is a piece of cardboard. And so they would sell that. And on that back part in the frame was a painted background scene. 
and then you would get a little transparency cell, animation cell, with it, and actually a little um, a little kit of the colors you would need of paints. They look, look like the little um, craft acrylic paints you would buy at Michael's or something. Um, just a little kit like that. And it would just be like one character. For instance, I had a Winnie the Pooh. And so there was a little frame. It said Winnie the Pooh. The background was like the 100 acre wood or whatever. And it was just a little transparency. Just the black and just, well, not black and white, but just the black ink drawing of him kind of standing there looking up, um, you know, thoughtfully. And so what you do, you turn it over on the back and you paint it like an animation cell. Okay. And then you would turn it over and it would be in a little frame for you. You could frame it and say, hey, I painted that. That was a cool thing. And they had lots of cool ones like um, Winnie the Pooh and obviously all the main characters and some of the films that were in the late 90s when this was a thing. I remember one I had, Lord, I wish I could find it, was Br'er Fox, Br'er Bear, and Br'er Rabbit. And well, it was just Br'er Fox and Br'er Rabbit. And he had him by the ears, like, and he was pointing. I love that. And I would buy these and do them. I think that'd be fun. So I wish that they would have like special merchandise like that. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, now that you mention it, Jeremy and I always used to enjoy the Animation Academy. That was at Hollywood Studios where you sketch the character. I'm surprised that that's not one of the free workshops. I mean, it used to be at Hollywood Studios. They had to remove it for Star Wars stuff. You could at least bring it back for a time, you know, for this short festival yeah. and learn how to sketch Dumbo or whatever. Hmm. I feel like they might be doing this too. Still, I don't know. I think that they should overhaul and do, in addition to their regular entertainment in all the pavilions, I feel like they should add to the different countries maybe some demonstrations of traditional art forms for that nation oh, or country, yeah. such as, you know, I don't know. I don't want to be politically incorrect here. But you go online, you search traditional art forms <laughs> for these various countries, and and they could have that there. Uh, demonstrations, or maybe even things you participate with as part of the street entertainment. So it, it bring a little action and uh, kinetic energy to the to the streets of World Showcase too. You could do some papier mache in France, or um, I don't know, some pinata making in Mexico. <laughs> I mean, you really could, I guess. That's a real thing. I know. Yeah. I don't know. You, mm. you go from you lo go from land to land and. And do those things. Bonsai tree planting in, in Japan. Perfect. Love it. Um, so my idea was just a workshop they could do. I'm always fascinated by attraction posters, which is why three different times I've bought the merchandise they sell that comes with like a pack of attraction posters that you can hang. And when you really think about it, like those posters are art. Someone painted the things, those things. Now, now they, they might do screen printing or I guess like graphic design, I'm not sure. But in the early days, I'm pretty sure someone had to hand paint these posters and I've always been fascinated by that. So I would love to go to a seminar where they talk about like how they hire these out, um, how the people get the inspiration of what to design. And then maybe like at the end of it, you take home a free poster of one of the attractions at Magic Kingdom or Epcot or something, I don't know. Um, but I definitely think poster art, which has art in the name, is an art that should be discussed at Disney Parks, where they play such a large role. What if you could Any of those create kinda... your own attraction poster? Oh, yeah, that would yeah. be cool. I mean, mine would look horrible, but it's a good idea. 
any of that kind of stuff I I like. Yeah. Action poster, or maybe like even like like you were talking about maps. Uh, you have a the, the like map art, mm-hmm. attraction vehicle design. Oh yeah. Maybe even like a little Imagineering symposium where you walk through the different stages of an attraction with design and. But that gets more into Disney specific stuff, less you know artsy fartsy. That's true, but I mean, if but if you're going to Epcot, obviously you're interested in Disney, like maybe even more so than art. The festival just happens to be going on while you're there, so I would think. I mean, Imagineering is definitely an art, and I personally, as a Disney fan, would want to hear all about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, my two ideas I had one I mentioned earlier I think that having like a microbrewery brewery center uh, would be kind of cool to go along because I think people would be interested in that uh, you know the home brewing is a lot of is like a big deal these days a lot of people like to do that and experiment with different flavors uh, my other idea was when I think of art I think of uh, one of the things I enjoy is art history. And when I think of art history, I think of the master teacher himself on the Instagram, and that is Mr. Joe Rody himself. And so I want a seminar of Joe Rody just kind of talking about art pieces throughout history. Wouldn't that be a lot of fun? Like today, he's going to talk about Peruvian art, and he'll have some Peruvian artifacts and talk through them. And he would be an expert on like giving connections to where you see this real world art in the Disney parks. Like he would be an expert on that. On We use this um, as inspiration as we are designing the Asia section of Animal Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Listen, if you are like me and you have a short attention span, but you love to learn and you enjoy what I like to call snapshot learning, uh, then you need to follow <laughs> Joe Rody because he'll put a picture on Instagram and he'll, put a little paragraph about that picture and it's totally fascinating because it's maybe you know teaching you about if it's a piece of art or a piece of culture or whatever um and and it's just really interesting but it's not like long and drawn out it's something that you can read in just a quick bite size snapshot uh toilet bowl moment and when i say toilet bowl moment i mean you learn something while you're taking a poop (laughs) yeah that's what that means to me there we go poop reference (laughs) Uh, fill out your bingo card if you have one drink <laughs> um, if I went to a Joe Rody seminar though I would fully expect to be given like beads and feathers and five minutes to make my own earring <laughs> like that has to happen clip on of course oh yeah of course yeah. so I could actually wear it the rest of the day Yeah, I would be distracted the whole time by the jingle jangling That's my favorite intro, so it must mean it's time for the greatest game of hide-and-seek you can ever play. Where in Walt Disney World am I? This is a game in which we, as chatters, go to that imaginary spot in our minds where we hide somewhere in Walt Disney World Resort, and the other two chatters have to ask yes or no questions, up to 20, to come and find us. You only get two guesses. It's an imaginary spot? 
Well, it's a real You'll spot, never, but it's imaginary. Never find me. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. Okay. Um, anyway, so yeah, it's time to uh, begin. Derek, why don't you hide first? So we'll count to ten, Mississippi, and then we'll come find you. No need to count. I am there. Oh. Oh. Okay. Jeremy, why don't you go first? Okay. Sounds good. Uh, are you in a park? Yes. And don't forget, you get two guesses at any time. Are you at uh, the Magic Kingdom? No. Are you at Animal Kingdom? No. Are you at Hollywood Studios? No. Well, now I feel like I have to ask it anyways, just to make sure. Are you at Epcot? (laughs) Yes, I am. Okay, good. Because my luck, it'd be a water park, and I would just assume. Yeah. Are you in World Showcase? Yes. Are you to when you when you look at the American Adventure, are you to the left of it or are you to the right of it? Please phrase your question in the form of a <laughs> yes or no question. <laughs> I swear I'm so stupid sometimes. Uh, <laughs> when you look at American Adventure, this is why I don't do games. <laughs> are you to the left of it, the American Adventure? No. Derek, are you in Morocco? No. Are you in France, England, or Canada? No. Yes, I've, I've avenged my stupidity. Good job. Are you in Japan? No. What else is over there? I believe uh, that's five questions each, right? It is. Okay. So we no Morocco, no Japan... No. Francis. Oh, are you in Germany? No. It's on the left. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, that's oh. a no anyway. Dang it. I'm um, discombobulated. Jeremy, when you asked your three, what did you say? France, England, Canada. Okay, we got France, England, and Canada. All right, are you getting technical and saying that it's United Kingdom and not England? I will not count that as your yes or no question. And no, I'm not getting technical. All right. And then Morocco and then Japan. Japan. Those are the those are the five countries on the right. Unless he's ah, he's being tricky. I got ah. him. I got ah. him. Are you in the American Adventure air, uh, Pavilion? I am. I have a guess. Are you in that little museum? No, I'm not. Are you within earshot of the Voices of Liberty? No. Are you in an outdoor location? Yes. Are you enjoying a funnel cake? Yes, I am. Are you at that little funnel cake stand? Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I thought that was <laughs> I thought that was your guess. I'm enjoying a funnel cake. Over on the second story of the American Pavilion. I got my funnel cake and I walked somewhere else yeah. <laughs> to hide. No, yes, I'm at the funnel cake stand. Shocker, mine was food related. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Okay, so Jeremy, since you guessed it, you can go now. Okay, hold on, I gotta go hide. And I'm there, go ahead. Matt, you go first, and that way I can go first next time. Jeremy, are you at a park? Yes. Are you in Magic Kingdom? No. 
Are you in Animal Kingdom? No. Are you in Disney's Hollywood Studios? Yes. Are you in, um, are you on an attraction? I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say no. Okay. Not riding the attraction, but he's in the attraction zone. Oh, no. You're up in Pooh's tree again. Um, <laughs> Is that a euphemism? <laughs> I will leave that for you to decide. Are you in Fantasyland? We're no. at Hollywood Studios. <laughs> no, oh, not that's not a question. Fantasyland. One down. One down. Keep them up. Being in Pooh's tree in Fantasyland. Look here. Oh man. Are you in a queue at an attraction? Uh, no. Okay. So that means next turn it'll be Matt's turn to ask a stupid question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Are you <laughs> in something that has to do with Star Wars? No. Because that's like 50% of the park at this point. Okay, so you're in an attraction, but you're not in a queue, and you're not on it. Are you at a uh, theatrical production or a show? Yes. Are you in the Indiana Jones Epic Stunt Spectacular? Yes. I'm going to take one of my guesses. Go ahead. Are you the man in a Hawaiian shirt? No. Um, Wait. Yeah, that didn't make sense. Where just, am I or who am I? Who am I? <laughs> who am let's, I? Just get, let's just pass over it and continue. Are you in the um? Are you in the 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 temple scene at the beginning with the ball and all that stuff? No. Are you in the plane? Yes! Yes! I want to take my guess. Are you in the plane? <laughs> yes! I'm flying when he gets chopped up. Wow. Who is in the plane? <laughs> Who in Walt Disney World am I? Good job, Derek. <laughs> yeah. You're Cheryl. <laughs> Are you the guy in the Hawaiian shirt? <laughs> <laughs> uh. Who in Walt Disney World am I? Uh-uh. <laughs> that did not work. All right. <laughs> Matt, are you hiding already? I'm hiding. Are you in a park? Yes. Are you in Epcot? No. Are you in Animal Kingdom? No. Magic Kingdom. Is that a question? Yes, I'm, I'm at Magic Kingdom. Are you... On Main Street, are you in the land known as Main Street USA? No. That's it's very specific. Well, semantics. I thought. Well, I thought he would be like, I'm not on the street. <laughs> I don't do those things. I just answer the question. <laughs> I'm floating with the balloon guy above the street. I am the balloon guy. Uh, are you? In Adventureland. Yes. Mm. He always goes to pirates. Are you inside a building that holds an attraction? <laughs> I am not. Are you standing by... Are you... 
Are you watching a show? No. Are you in a location that sells merchandise? No. Are you by an illy ill themed attraction? An Iliad themed no. <laughs> An Iliad themed attraction. An I love Ill that book. Themed attraction. That sounds great, actually. Yeah, especially in Adventureland. <laughs> um, hmm. Are you in a treehouse? No. Well, why would I be there? <laughs> <laughs> We're not here to judge. Uh, are you are you in a dining location? No. Judas Priest, where are you? I know, seriously. Are you at a kiosk? No. Are you are you in a place where guests don't aren't usually allowed to go? No. Are you in a place where characters often meet? No. Are you in an imaginary adventure land? <laughs> <laughs> um, are you... Are you at a place... Well, you're not at a Are you near the smoking area? No. No, no, no. I'm not sure that's still a smoking area. Oh. Um, are you on a bridge? No. Are you sure you know where you are? <laughs> oh, I know where I am. Yeah. Um, let's see. Are you... Um... Nine for Derek, eight for you, Jeremy. This is your ninth. Oh, wow. Are you on a boat? I am. Uh, oh, of course. Do you want to take your guess or no? Are you uh, on the cruise? It's specific. Yeah, I meant I'm on the Jungle Cruise. That's your first guess? Oh, but just more specific than that? Yeah. Can I can I then get an, a second chance at that question since it's more specific? Because on Jeopardy, if it's more specific, they let you get another guess. Now, that's your first guess. You can use your second guess. Oh, Judas Priest. Okay, go ahead, Derek. I'll let you go first. Okay. You both got more question too, so. Yeah. Okay. Are you... Oh, you said you're on a boat. So you're not, like, in one of the scenes. Um... I don't know the names of the boats, so I might be in trouble it's here. It's not that specific. Okay. Are you steering a Jungle Cruise boat? No, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> That's ten. Are you in the temple? No, I'm not. That's your tenth question. So you want you you got one guess. Derek's got two. Okay. I'm gonna say, are you by the backside of water? I am on the backside of water. Oh, I see. Okay, I was like, I have to guess where in the boat you are, but I see now. Okay. No. I'm in a boat by the backside of water. Jeremy asked, "Are you in a building that houses an attraction?" Yeah, I asked that. And after that, nobody asked, "Are you in an?" I forgot Jungle Cruise for a second because the only other one I could think of that's not in the building is Aladdin's Magic Magic Carpets of Aladdin, which he asked about. So that's why I ruled that out. After I hid here, I began to think to myself, didn't you hide here once before? I didn't. That's a good one. Backside of water. He stumped us. 
Jeremy got it. All right. Well, I don't feel like going on with the show now. <laughs> <laughs> Takes a little time to find the magic in everyday, folks. Yeah. Bye-bye now. Anytime there's an in-depth discussion about Walt Disney World, it usually isn't very long before the term magic is used. It's a word that's so closely tied to Disney theme parks, it's almost a wonder Disney hasn't copyrighted the term. We hear it in Disney commercials, from Disney cast members, in Disney fireworks shows. And to be honest, it does accurately describe so much of what we love about the Disney parks. There really is something magical about being there. Sure, sometimes the magic gets lost, like when you've ridden the same attraction a hundred times, or when the crowds bottleneck in fantasy land and you feel like cattle being herded toward the exit, or when a certain cast member named Danielle just won't leave you alone. But that's not what we want to talk about on this week's show. Today, we want to discuss those things that, to us, make Magic Kingdom so magical. Whether it's a smell, a view, a special interaction, or just a general feeling, we want to take time to appreciate the details, both big and small, that make Magic Kingdom worthy of its name. So Matt, I'm going to throw it over to you first. What's something that just makes it magical for you? What does it for you at Magic Kingdom? I'm going to start really um, generic here, and I'm just going to say the theming. <laughs> Can I be that that broad with my first brush stroke so I don't get too far into it? I'm going to say the, the theming, that you have those intricately designed and detailed themed lands in which everything that surrounds you that you hear and smell and see and and, and experience is themed to, to this this thing now lots of parks have attempted themes but the Magic Kingdom to me even in all the Disney parks that ma- the Magic Kingdom capitalizes on theming perfectly what's your favorite themed land i think i know but it oh it is adventureland okay yeah yeah uh main street is um in recent years been sneaking up there and that's one of those unexplainable just like and there's no attract there's no let's say there's no rides there in terms of what you would think there are attraction vehicles and things that you can experience but there and the, the railroad is there, but you know, Space Mountain and all that stuff is not here, and so it's one of those. It's like, huh? But it, I mean, maybe it's just the nostalgia and the charming music and the lighting and just that perfect, that picture perfect atmosphere at the end of the day with the popcorn lights and the music and the popcorn smell and the confectionery smell and the ice cream and all that kind of put together make Main Street. Wonderful, but Adventureland is is number one. Not only because it hosts my favorite attraction, but just the foliage and the trees, and which is foliage, and the flowers and and the background music, which I could go on and on about mm-hmm. for Adventureland. Yeah, I think for me, it really is Main Street USA. It, it was, it's, uh, gosh, I'm with you now because I was gonna say it's been Adventureland for a long time, but now it's Main Street. But I really do go back and forth. But this is something we talk about a lot, the kinetic energy, and Main Street USA Mm -hmm. has all of that going for it. 
And the fact that it really doesn't have rides, like you say, doesn't matter to me. In fact, I think I would almost rather just stand on Main Street USA and watch the vehicles go by. Uh, I love when the uh, cast member, um, the time period appropriate cast members are out there, you know, like the mayor yeah. and, and whatnot. I love the guys who are holding balloons. It just adds to the feel. I love the music, the smells. Um, I think I would rather just stand there and take all that in than be riding some sort of thrill ride at Six Flags. Yeah, absolutely. They're really, and, and I think it comes down to the magic. Like, I think that's the reason because it just totally swallows you up. And of course, that's always your first view of the castle too. So I'm guessing that, I guess there are special memories of standing on Main Street USA and getting your first glimpse, but golly. Yeah, speaking of first glimpse, let's talk about what's truly, I mean, truly in a metaphorical sense, <laughs> uh, magical about Main Street is that it is, it probably captures perfectly the illusion of forced perspective. Is when you're when you're at the ticket and transportation center, you can see the castle like towering over everything. When you're on the boat, when you're going on the monorail, you clearly see two things: you see Space Mountain, Astro Orbiter, kind of, and you see the castle, and it is there. There's the castle, and then you get off the monorail, you come down the ramp, you're putting your ticket in the thing, and you you come in, and not only do you enter on the sides, you don't enter in the center, you enter on the sides through those tunnels on Main Street, so. Not only do you have to turn a corner to see the castle, but standing there, you can't see it. This big, towering, looming thing that was there, you can't see because of the buildings. I, I've noticed recently there's a slight incline when you're on Main Street that leads to the castle. It, go, it slightly goes up. And so the, the walk to the castle seems so long. It seems so far away. And it's, it, it's in the distance. And... It seems so huge. And when you're leaving, you're on a slight decline down the down Main Street. And it's just ever so slight. That makes it it's just a very short walk, but it seems so long going and so short leaving. And it frames Main Street perfectly with the big castle in the background that perfectly hides itself until the right moment when you turn the corner and there it is. And all that was planned from day one. You mentioned the turnstiles. Honestly, I think that's where the magic starts for me. Is like the Mickey to Mickey. It's blasting that entrance music. You see the train station families are taking pictures with their kids in front of the train. You might even hear the choo-choo if the train happens to be there at that moment. That's where for me, it's like, I'm here. Like this is this is really yeah. it. You know, sure the monorail is part of Disney World, but it's just transportation. Uh, it's getting off the monorail and walking down that ramp. That's okay. where you start hearing the music and it hits you that you're you're there. No, for me, it's when you are either boarding the monorail or the um, ferry, and it's early in the morning, and you got that Florida morning sunshine, and people, mm -hmm. just that smell of, like, sunscreen in the morning time, yeah. like, people are already lathering up, and it's just Sweat. starting to get No, it's not, like, a bad smell, but... Cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> You're ruining the magic. Stop it. <laughs> Vomit. Uh, yeah, no, I have this. Um, it, it hits me not every time, but it certainly hits me more often than I think it it would. And I have this moment of going, oh, my gosh, I'm at Walt Disney World. I'm at the Magic Kingdom. And mm -hmm. people all over the world know this place. 
and I'm here. Mm -hmm. You know, like that, like that's a very like iconic thing to me. I don't know, you know, to be standing at such a, a amazing place that people dream of coming to. It's interesting because I love a good roller coaster, but I don't get that feeling when I enter Six Flags or some other generic amusement park with a great roller coaster, you know? And maybe that is part of it, that it's such a worldwide known place. I would not feel like anything is missing from the rest of my life if I never rode another amusement park roller coaster or even went to another like amusement park. I enjoyed them, but I... I now, there would be no hole in my life if I never went to another Six Flags or Cedar Point or whatever. But the Magic Kingdom, man, yeah, I'd be I'd be pretty sad. <laughs> Let's not think about it, Matt. Let's no, not go no, there. No, no, for real. Back to the magic. I think another aspect of the magic that always hits me is when I see the castle, because. Even though you have the Disneyland castle and you have castles in other parks, uh, any Disney castle to me is iconic in and of itself. Uh, And you just automatically associate it with that feeling of being a child and watching Disney films on whether you were watching them on VHS or DVD or whatever your age bracket is. And you see the castle pop up right before every disney movie plays and so then to see a disney castle in real life in front of you and you're just like oh my gosh this is the castle that i've seen since i was a child and now Mm -hmm. here it is in real life and it's three-dimensional and i can see it and i can touch it and i can feel it and and uh i could even taste it if i wanted to Mm -hmm. i don't do that that's but uh anyways yeah i think that that's a really it sends a lot of people back to that nostalgic feel Mm -hmm, for sure I've never thought about tasting things except food. Now there's going to be a whole other dimension to my Walt Disney World experience next time. I'm a, I'm a well-rounded person. I want to experience Walt Disney World for all um, it has speaking, to offer. Speaking of senses, though, I mentioned the the background music, and if I can just go there for a second, we have. I think we've talked about it on several shows, whether it's uh, Good and the Bad, the Ugly, or Top Five, or something. We we've done background loops and background stuff a lot, and talked about it a lot, obviously. Um, but I would be remiss if I did not say that this was part of the magic of the Magic Kingdom. I mean, when you're on Main Street, you have that turn of the century, ragtime, and even some of the up um, music in there, as well as some kind of more Broadway tunes that are geared towards turn of the century stuff, Oklahoma and Music Man and so on, and My Fair Lady. Uh, Adventureland has the jungle drums and the Hawaiian kind of music in one place, and then you have the marimbas and the steel drums in another. Frontierland with bluegrass and um, harmonicas and, and fiddles and things. Liberty Square has the marches and the John Philip Sousa stuff, and Fantasyland has the... Well, Fantasyland has lots. You have the yodeling on one side, and then you have the carousel music and the new Fantasyland music and the Winnie the Pooh music and the Alice in Wonderland music and the wonderful storybook circus music. I mean, the fact that they they did all that for each of these individual sections, and then Tomorrowland Loop, which is also great, and and then everything in between, the music and the attractions, and there's the entrance music and exit music and cue music, and there's this scene's music and this scene. All of that adds together to make uh, every single part of your experience there enveloped in, in whatever theme you're in. And I'm telling you, if you're anywhere doing anything... <laughs> adding music to it that is appropriate to what you're doing adds to that experience for everyone whether they realize it or not 
we have you know a barbecue or something here at the church i'll i'll go up to the little sound booth and put in a, a bluegrass cd and it will make the barbecue taste better <laughs> i guarantee it or uh, valentine's stuff or you play some jazzy big band music it makes people feel more romantic uh, music has that effect on people and it's all over the magic kingdom and it's not in your face like this is the theme it's just kind of subtly speaking that into your spirit as you're as you're walking around the park can i tell you two attractions that i get so excited to ride just when i enter the queue and i think it's because of the music but i thought of these two specifically where I can be walking outside them, and it's like, okay, yeah, I'm in Walt Disney World again. But as soon as I enter, it's like that giddy, magical feeling where it's like, I'm in Walt Disney World. One of them, Space Mountain. You hear the mm-hmm. the Star Tunnel music. Or actually, first there's that fanfare, but then you hear the doo-doo-doo. Mm-hmm. That just gives me, like, the Magic Kingdom feelings. And the other one, even more so than that one, is the boom, boom, boom. Boom, 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 As yeah. soon as you enter the queue <laughs> yeah. for pirates, and like it all of a sudden gets so dark and almost a little bit musty in there, you know? Yeah, musty. <laughs> a good musty. Yeah. Um, those give me all those magical feelings and then some, those two specifically. You know, you could really do that with any of the attractions there. And I, I concur with you on Space Mountain. I think my two would be Pirates and, and Haunted Mansion. Um, even as you're coming up to the Haunted Mansion out there in the old dock where the Fast Pass machines used to be, they're pumping out the organ, the very soft theme from the Haunted Mansion out there. And so you get that as soon as you're you're there in line. Uh, but you think about Big Thunder Mountain, they, they have that too. Uh, Splash Mountain, as soon as you step into that queue, you're getting that bluegrassy, happy-go-lucky. Happy-go-lucky? Is that a word? Is that a phrase? Yeah, it is. Happy-go-lucky. It's happy-go-lucky feeling, yeah. Like, hey, this is a this is a zippity doodah day, and I want to ride Splash Mountain. Uh, every attraction has that, in in one way or the, another. Even old flying carpets over there in, in Adventureland has that little Arabian bazaar music playing. It's true. B a z a a r. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not bizarre. The whole thing is a little, a bit bizarre. Uh-huh. <laughs> I liked it. Um, when we're talking about attractions themselves, I'm, I'm afraid to say I think I've started to take for granted some of them. You know, like when you're on Space Mountain, you're like, oh, here I am riding Space Mountain again. But I think the dark rides are still the ones that very much give me that Disney magic feeling. Um, I'm thinking specifically of Peter Pan's Flight. Maybe it's because I don't ride it every time I go but when I do ride it and you first lift off into the air it is and maybe that's also because it's so old like it's been part of the Disney park since Walt was alive and so that still gives me that like oh I'm riding you know a Peter Pan ship and still very charming and magical can we talk about lighting no Jeremy what do you have yeah, go ahead. Uh, the lighting at the Magic Kingdom is probably one of my favorite things about the Magic. If not, it, it's up there with the music, the the lighting. Now, now the other parks have beautiful lighting. You know, Epcot has beautiful lighting. World Showcase at night is wonderful. Hollywood Studios at night, I like. You know, Hollywood Boulevard with the neon and all that stuff. Um, but there's there's nothing like, and every land at the Magic Kingdom is so 
utterly unique in the way that it's lit at night. You know, Main Street, like we said, has the popcorn lights all over the borders of the building that just brighten up Main Street the whole way down. Those old school lanterns in the street. Then that the castle, you know, is perfectly lit with like a nice subtle blue color with a little bit of yellow and in, in, in at the ledges, so it's like looks like light is there. Adventureland has torches, tiki torches, and uh, just lighting kind of in the trees. Frontierland's one of my favorites because I, I love just that kind of orange lighting on Splash Mountain, but just a little bit of blue on the side. And then Big Thunder Mountain's always been one of my favorites at night. It's just so beautifully lit with red and blue and orange. And Haunted Mansion is there, you know, looming in the shadows in the distance. Fantasyland is not my favorite, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's wonderful at night. You know, there's the, the, the motion and the movement of the lights on the carousel. New Fantasyland is spectacular mm-hmm. at night, whether it's the lighting on the castle over at Be Our Guest. Um, Seven Dwarfs is one of my favorites because it's just like it's it's just like a nice subtle blue on it. It's dark and it's not like drawing attention to itself. It looks like a hill at night in the woods that's barely lit kind of by the moon. Storybook Circus is beautiful. More popcorn lights, the wonderful uh, changing colors under Dumbo. Uh, Tomorrowland, obviously, wonderful at night. I mean, all of those uh, neon lights and that whole thing comes to life. Recently, I sent you guys a message about this. I must have missed the memo back in August or September when apparently this happened. But Space Mountain got a new update to their lighting at night. And it's a wonderful, like, all-around LED lighting that's vibrant and pretty it does change colors but it's slow and subtle it's not like it's just constantly changing not like the dumbo lights but more often than not when i looked it was just a deep dark bluish purple almost like a black light was on it and these lights are so bright that the other night when it was foggy at the magic kingdom cloudy uh overcast they were so bright that those lights were illuminating really the whole sky around Tomorrowland. There was this blue purplish glow. And it was wonderful because, I mean, the last time I remembered Space Mountain was still just kind of that stark white at nighttime. And I thought, why don't they, I've always thought, why don't they just put some lights on that? Especially when they do it for the parties and it looks so nice. But apparently this is here. And I was like, well, there's that and it's pretty. It's wonderful. So all of that brings you into the moment and the theme of each each land, the music, lighting, everything. I love the lanterns that line that bridge that connects Liberty Square with like Big Thunder Mountain. Mm-hmm. I love yep. all those that are just situated there on the handrails. Um, speaking of that bridge, I wanted to talk a bit about some of our favorite views, like you talked about the castle, Jeremy. But I think there are other views throughout Magic Kingdom where you always see the quote online someone will post a picture and say this is in a theme park like i see it a mm-hmm. lot with tokyo disney sea someone will post a picture and it looks like uh some seaside city in europe you know or asia but no like it's just a really immersive environment in a theme park and for me one of my favorite views that i could just sit there and look at and be like this is in a theme park is when you're on that bridge and you see like haunted mansion but mostly you see the Liberty Square Riverboat, especially if it's like churning through the waters. You see that mm-hmm. little Harper's Mill 
um, I guess a little cabin that's part of Tom Sawyer Island. To your left, you can see Splash Mountain. Like so many things are happening around you, and it really—you're just... not talking about being on the bridge. You're talking about like over at Splash Mountain, that bridge over there. No, I mean, I mean the zigzag walking bridge that it's not really a okay, bridge; okay. it's like a separate pathway, I guess. For some reason, I was picturing the bridge to Liberty Square from main street but i know exactly where you are and that's where i was going to go first too oh yeah no i'm sorry i'm talking like that it's almost like a you can kind of call it a quote-unquote shortcut that goes all the way around yeah yeah when you stand there and you see splash and big thunder and tom sawyer island and the riverboat oh yes so many things happening all around you yeah and it's it's beautiful during the day as much as it is at night i think Mm -hmm. it's just a completely different view but they're both equally wonderful to look at well, I was going to go there first. <laughs> but that was that was my, my I was thinking about that one with the with the little bit of Tom Sawyer and the the riverboat lit up and the castle there in the distance. Um, any of those pictures of Frontierland are just they're just so perfectly framed in the trees. Whether it's Flash Mountain or you're looking over and you can see bits of Thunder Mountain in the distance. I mean, to to, to think that none of that is. Um, I mean, there's a certain amount of accident to it because there's trees growing and things that are are not controlled all the time. But the fact that they planned out this to have that view and to have this vista right here, and so you can see all of this at once over here, is is mind-boggling. But it's 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 wonderful. So I I think all the best views, except for the uh, the obvious favorite, which is Main Street, looking towards the castle. There's a lot of great views over. In that area that you're talking about, Frontierland, Liberty Square, towards the castle. Yeah, I agree. I don't know what it is about it, but I agree. Maybe it's because it feels real. It feels like real world, you know? Like, Fantasyland feels kind of like a carnival, and Tomorrowland feels like some weird idea of the future. But Frontierland, Liberty Square, that feels like America, just maybe in a yeah. different time. Natural, there's trees and yeah, yeah. water flowing. Yeah. I'm going to take us back to the castle. And uh, one of the best views that I enjoy is when you're on the People Mover and you're coming around Stitch's Great Escape. Mm-hmm. And as you make that turn to the right and boom, there's the castle right there. Yeah. Now, this is a great view any time of the day, but it's particularly nice at night because the castle is all lit up. And especially if you can ride People Mover, maybe it's a night when they're going to have two showings of wishes that's a really special view or if you can ride it in the midst of the nighttime parade which is not currently running but if it was running um and you can kind of see some of the lit up parade floats in the hub as you make that turn again that's that's like soren level magic right there you know with it when they fly over disneyland it's it's a pretty thing splash mountain also has a really great view of the castle as you come over that very last hill yeah yeah you get it for about three seconds right, right. yeah oh it. you want an extended view the second lift hill on big thunder mountain ah which is uh, outdoors man that's because you have the mountain and it's beautifully lit and everything if there's a nice full moon it's so bright it's one of those things that it's a theme park amusement park if you were at a, if you were at a normal amusement park six flags or whatnot the street lighting is very practical just do the job here's like five white 
can lights, you know, shining some football stadium lights down on the track. That's not Disney World. Just and this is one of the reasons I left Frontierland at night. It's it's almost dangerously dark. And there are the lanterns hanging on the side, but the attractions are so beautifully less yet subtly lit. They're not like a bright white light on them. They have tone and and, and it's dim, but it's it's beautiful all at the same time. And that lift up Big Thunder Mountain, the second one at night, is wonderful. If there's the moon that's out, you can look over and see the mountain. And then um, Cinderella Castle is over to your right. You kind of have to crane your neck after a few minutes, after a few seconds on it. But it provides for some wonderful pictures. Now, I think we all can agree that sometimes other guests kind of ruin the magic. Like, whether they mean to or not, sometimes they just take you out of the moment. So for me, one of the most magical times is after park closing, when the only people yeah. who are left there, you know, are people who obviously want to be there. Maybe they don't have kids because they're staying out late with their wife or something. I don't know. Um, but also it's just, it's not very crowded, but the music is still playing just as loudly as it was earlier in the day. Uh, everything's still lit up. All the lights are still shining bright or as brightly as they're supposed to. I love that time of night so much because it's almost like there's no need to rush because no attractions are open. Just take your time, stroll down Main Street, get some last glimpses of the castle, enjoy the music, enjoy the ambiance. It's so wonderful. Yeah, that's one of my... It, Disney creates such a high standard for things like that that you're ruined on most other things. Yeah. <laughs> like We're closed, get out. I go to a, a musical or a presentation, let's, whether it's at a church or whether it's a community thing or, or whatever. I'm sitting there with my Disney glasses on the whole time. Like, why are you not in? Why are you not encompassing me this whole time with the theme? You know, before the musical starts, play some themed music, have some mood lighting. Don't just have the house lights on. Like, here you are, and then as soon as the thing's over, turn the house lights on, close the curtain, and you're done. Disney is so good about setting the stage and then. Even after park closing, like you said, they don't close the curtain, quote-unquote, and turn off the magic, quote-unquote, until every last guest is out and they're cleaning. I mean, and through the night, they're cleaning and revamping and getting ready for the next day. It's just like a constant cycle. But those curtains, quote-unquote, do not go up and down until the guests are absent completely. Mm -hmm. I think there's a, a bit of... Uh, just to be obvious about it, I think there's a bit of nostalgia that goes in into the magic of the Magic Kingdom. Um, there's certainly, you know, fond memories and nostalgia associated with Epcot and Hollywood Studios and and Animal Kingdom. But I don't think I think everyone would agree that it's just not the same as the Magic Kingdom. Mm-hmm. There's there's a certain sense for people that love the Disney parks, that love Walt Disney World. There's a certain sense. In which, and this is going to be so sappy, but it's the way I feel. There's a certain sense in which the Magic Kingdom is just home. You know, whether you're in your favorite spot there, or you're in the restaurant you love, or just to one of those little nooks and crannies of Main Street or something that only, you know, you, you feel like you're the only one that knows about it and you're the only one that's there. The smells, the sights, the sounds. There's just a familiarity there that's... Well, it's magical. And every time you go back, you feel like this is, I know this place. I know that place. I know that little place over there. You, you just feel like you're at a place where you, uh, again, sappy, sappy tears. You feel like you belong. I 100% agree with that. And not always, but sometimes I think it's 
thanks to the cast members, you know? They smile at you and give you a friendly wave. Not Danielle. Not not all of them. <laughs> but, you know, just when they give you a little friendly wave, they're not all up your butt about stand over here, but it's just like they recognize <laughs> that you're just enjoying your day in your home. Yeah. You know? That's right. I had one of those um, sentimental, typical, magical experiences this past weekend. I promise every every episode I will not talk about my daughter meeting a character, but we've just crossed that line where she's not scared of them anymore, and she knows. I mean, it's just like clockwork now. That's she so gets, great. Just in time for her 15th birthday. Right? <laughs> she gets down. She knows to go to them. She's to the point where she lets the princesses, or what I say she lets. It's only been like two times we've been that, that she's been like this. You know, she let the princesses come over and take her hand and walk her into the little area. She knows how to pose, and she gives them hugs. But Friday night, we went to the Magic Kingdom after Hollywood Studios, and we booked a little fast pass for meeting Mickey at the... Um, Town Square Exhibition Hall, whatever, the little magical Mickey. Um, it was a kind of a slow night. There was still a 30-minute wait for the Mickey, so I'm glad we got a fast pass. We got through the line um, and got in to meet Mickey. We were the last people in this group um, in the room at that time to meet Mickey. And so uh, family went, family went, family went. We were the last. Nobody was behind us. They did not usher in another group behind us. It was just... Me, Jessica, and Anna. And she was about to flip out to meet Mickey. And you know how they make you at this place? They they, they kind of have you stand there until Mickey says goodbye to the other family. And as you're standing there, he turns around and greets you. And it was the full-out, working, talking Mickey Mouse. And uh, Jessica had never seen that operating before. But it was the w- most wonderful Mickey Mouse experience ever. Because uh, Anna went running to him. And then Jessica's, and and he was just like holding on to her, like hugging her, rubbing her, and it was it wasn't just like a like a little theme park hug. It was he was holding on to her, and the cast members were like, oh, you know, taking lots of pictures. And Jessica said, say we love you, Mickey. And Anna just kind of looked up at him, but he and then he did his little, oh, I love you too, pal, and was just spending lots of time. We were probably in there with him five minutes. He's wow. talking and he's taking pictures and hugging her. And he said something about Donald likes to stomp his feet. Can you stomp your feet? And she was stomping her feet with him. And it was the best thing ever. We went out. Jessica was like in tears. Aww. <laughs> now, this is my wife, Jessica, right? The one who's, uh, I mean, she doesn't not like this. She likes Disney, but not to the point of tears. But I know it's our daughter and everything associated with it. But she was to the point of tears. And I just thank God that she didn't look around at me. With tears in her eyes because I would. <laughs> I'm showing this Aww. picture of Anna and Cinderella, and Anna is just hugging her as tightly as she can, face to face, cheek to cheek. Well, yeah. Here's the thing. She was she was done by that point. She was ready to be in bed, and so she had her arm around Cinderella and would not let go. And I'm pretty sure if Cinderella would have like held her with the other arm, she would have went to sleep. Mm. But, <laughs> <laughs> we were having to like, come on, Anna, let's go. Uh, Cinderella's not going to give you um, a bottle or anything. Let's get out of here. I remember we talked about this a few episodes. Uh, it's been several months now, but um, you know, seeing Disney World, Walt Disney World, from the eyes of a child really is mm-hmm. a completely different experience. And I've only been with my nephews and niece, um, but I have sort of had that experience. Um, 
and it, and it is magic. Like that's one of the words I would use to describe it. And even when I see other families whose children are just completely enjoying the moment, you know, they're not crying about anything and their parents are just watching their child enjoy the moment like you and Jessica did. That's absolutely Disney magic right there. 100%. Planning on taking my nephew and you guys oh. know how I feel about children, but uh, plan on taking my nephew at the end of this year. So we shall see. My well, I'm I'm going with my sister and my nephew. Right, she will be in charge. <laughs> be precious. Of time. I will be checking in from time to time and enjoying. Will still the, be you know, precious. Yes, um, and bite-sized pieces. Here's the thing I wish I could do for some families sometime. Is I, I wish there was such a thing as like Disney. If you're listening, make this a thing like um, magic coordinators. I think they have people like this that cast. They're, they're they're supposed to make magic happen or whatever, but they need like magic counselors, coordinators <laughs> going throughout the park. And if they see a family in distress, you know they're arguing over something, they're not having a good time. Uh, you know, just kind of step in. I know they have this policy where they, you know, no child crying or whatever, whatever it is, no child left behind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but they need to just kind of, hey, can I step in here? You know, I, I hate to get up in your family business, but do you know where you are? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How much we'll money have, you we'll say, to come here? Let's try to have a good time, okay? You need to have a come to Mickey moment. That's what yes. you need. Yes. Yes. Or in your best Tom Hanks impression. There's no crying in Walt Disney World. Yeah, that's a really yeah. good idea. Um, the MC, your magic coordinator, MC. There you go. Well, this discussion has been so magical. I want to go right now mm. to Magic Kingdom. But alas, we'll have to settle until our next trip. Which for you is just, what, in a couple weeks? At two weeks, I'll be at the Festival of the Arts listening to Kevin Massey and Carrie Butler belt out everyone's favorite musical, Tarzan songs. <laughs> um, no, and Newsies, and I think Beauty and the Beast, a couple others. So, And I'll be eating all the food, and I'll be forcing Matt to uh, finish his New Year's resolution of eating all the snacks I recommend. And all that jazz. So... Anyway, I think that does it for now. So much more magic to discuss, but I think um, we'll go ahead and wrap it up here. Listeners, if you have any parts of Magic Kingdom that really put magic in the name for you, let us know what those views or those smells or those attractions are. Um, you can find us on Facebook, on Twitter at Mad Chatters, on Instagram at Mad Chatters. You can always send your emails to comments at madchatters.net, and we will see you right back here next week. Take a little time to find the magic in every day. Bye-bye now.